1: You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for the beginning, uh, or the halfway point of our Halloween month. Because <laughs> we're a week away from Halloween, pretty much. Uh, but uh, we always like to bring you something before Halloween. And uh, we kind of... Focus, uh, focus. Focus, focus uh, 2, I guess, is eventually coming. I'm sure that's on the list. Uh, no, we're not doing Halloween Town 2. We're not doing From Dusk Till Dawn. Texas Blood Money or the Hangman's Daughter like we teased last year. Cowboys
0: and Aliens. We're no, not no, doing no.
1: Cowboys and Aliens. Never, never. Uh, but uh, we do have something. And and the first movie we're kicking off in our two-part series uh, is something that we actually dropped the ball on last year. We said, hey, maybe we should do this movie. And we both got excited about it. And I'm still not entirely sure if you've seen the movie. but <laughs> We'll get to it in a second. Oh, yeah. We're talking about... Ready or not, uh, the 2019. Okay, you totally messed that up. How?
0: You should have been like, you should have said something like, All right, "I hope you're ready,"
1: or, or not. you know,
0: something like that. You could have had a joke, but you didn't.
1: All um, right, did well, it. I'll leave. I'll leave the jokes to you, the comic relief part of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> ready or not, the 2019 horror slash slasher slash comedy slash I don't know what it is, but it's fantastic. And uh, we we've been waiting to do this for a year, and we're finally here, just in time for Halloween. My name is Colin, and I'm pretty enough in a last call at a dive bar kind of way.
0: And my name is Rossi, and fuck your fucking family. (laughs) That's the only line I can remember off the top of my head.
1: (laughs) Come on, the kids are listening upstairs. Oh, Uncle Rossi's going to be back. And now you've insulted them. Uh, (laughs) I'm very very confused, uh, because last year we talked about doing this, and I think we were sort of throwing around, yeah, maybe we should do the sequels to movies we've already covered uh, and not do the craft legacy. which <laughs> That's another one that'll never happen. Uh, but uh, i had sort of mentioned, you know, I kind of saw this movie ready or not. And you said, oh, yeah, yeah, we ought to do that. And now before we start recording this, I don't know whether you were saying you have not rewatched this leading up to the podcast or if you have never watched this movie. So, so what is it? Have you actually seen this movie before?
0: Well, I've seen the movie. I watched it whenever, you know, we talked about it and I was like, oh, we should cover ago. it. And I was like, okay, yes, good. I saw it, I liked it. And then I told you, I was like, I watched the movie, The Hunt, which like, mm-hmm. I saw similar vibes of. So like, I've seen it. I just haven't rewatched it fresh for this podcast, but good. I watched like a YouTube recap of it. It's <laughs> so, like, I have some freshness, but I also remember it really well. Like it just, it's in my head.
1: This is uh, this is like on 007, which you can download now. Uh, when we rank the secondary villains or something like that, and Noah had refreshed his memory by watching all the clips of the secondary villain in Octopussy. Because uh, there was a best of compilation, which is Rossi's number one James Bond movie, which I was happy about because I like it. By the way, I just want to give a plug out here. Go, go and listen to Rossi's episode of Double 007 where he list, ranked his, all of his James Bond movies in the lead up. Uh, Rossi, I'm guessing you haven't seen it yet, but Rossi also has the ability to watch No Time to Die before Ben does. So um, suck it, Ben. <laughs> You haven't seen it, though, number have you? one. <laughs> It'll be your well, number one.
0: At the very least, I know it's not going last on my list of movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and
0: that's reserved for Ben's movie.
1: Yeah, Die Another Day. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, Ben liked Cowboys and Aliens. Big surprise. Uh, <laughs> lots of plugs here for Double 7. But ready or not, I'm, I, it was probably a little over a year ago uh, when I saw this movie. Uh, it was fresh in my mind when we talked about it last Halloween. And funny that you mentioned The Hunt, that you recently rewatched that and kind of got you thinking about it again, Uh, because I think I watched these two movies back to back and I didn't know anything about them. I knew Ready or Not was kind of a cult horror film. Um, Just looking at like the box office and everything else, it was actually more successful than I thought it was. It was sort of a movie I didn't even realize existed and sort of just loosely heard about. And The Hunt, I just sort of knew as the one one of the few movies that were playing in you know, a couple of handful of theaters during the pandemic. So it was number one at the box office week after week, despite nobody actually (laughs) seeing the movie. Uh, yeah. But you're right. They both are very similar. And uh, when I first saw Ready or Not, I thought this is kind of like, you know, a a dumbed down version of Get Out. I don't know. Have you seen Get Out yet?
0: I haven't.
1: Well, it's like this, but a little bit smarter. But I mean,
0: um, I know, kind of know what happens in the movies. you watch so the like,
1: best uh, of YouTube clips.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've watched, yeah, pretty much.
1: Um, but, but yeah, very similar vibe to Get Out. Uh, but I, I just, I was blown away when I saw this movie because I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm not a fan of horror movies. I like horror movies for the sake of they're so bad, they're good sometimes. Uh, Jamie and I just rewatched all the Scream movies and Scream 3, I couldn't even get through because it was so bad it was bad. But some of the other ones it's like they're so bad they're good Are you
0: watching the? are you gonna watch the new one?
1: Oh, absolutely because totally. the the directors of ready or not are the ones making it so i'm i'm even oh, more yeah, excited nice. i'm even more excited knowing these that
0: tie-ins
1: there we go tie-ins. this is this is like when we did horror sequel month before quiet place part two which we still haven't covered uh maybe we'll eventually get there we'll find out uh we're covering ready or not in the lead up to uh scream next year but uh but yeah i mean i i, I like horror movies for that sake but as far as like getting scared by horror movies I can't think of any that really scared me. We talked about this when we did the Nightmare on Elm Street part two. That was one of the few movies when I was a kid, I saw that like actually kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, But uh, you know, I'm not going to say ready or not scared me. I just appreciated the fact that it wasn't trying to scare me. It was being graphic. It was being gory. It was clever, but it was also funny and it was funny in a sick kind of way. And it's also funny in a funny kind of way. So I don't know. What what were you, were your impressions? What compelled you to want to cover this movie in the first place?
0: Well, I had heard about, there's another horror movie that this is like, which I don't even know if I told you, but it's called You're Next.
1: Oh yeah, I've heard of it. I don't know if you mentioned it's it. Like,
0: it's like, very simple. Like the basic plot is that there's this very wealthy family, they're at dinner and like someone shoots one of them through the window and they're being hunted by these killers in the house. And you have to figure out kind of what's going on. Um, and so like, I saw comparisons from this movie to that. And I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. I've heard of that and I know all this kind of stuff. Um, So I was, like, interested to see, because I I enjoy those kind of, like, -like Mm survival-like situations that aren't, like, typical slasher. Um, So, like, even the, um, even though it's kind of more in the slasher vein, that movie that we watched, oh, what was that? The, The Strangers one. Oh, yeah. Like, even the original Strangers, like, those are kind of those, like, survival situations like you can like get yourself out of it's not like a doom situation mm-hmm. like a, a Jason or a Freddy you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so like these are like kind of the movies that I like the most when I watch like a, a thing about a horror movie so like on the whole I was invested to see this because I, I saw you know the posters her with her converse on and, and, and the shotgun
1: in the wedding like, dress. So it's
0: not it's that like cool unusual vibe to it like in yeah. the wedding dress too like it, it's mm-hmm. just like that poster just grabs you too. So, like, I, I was just interested from the start. And Red Your Not's a cool name to have, like, as a film. Like yeah. It's not something that you would re- register as horror if you didn't know.
1: Yeah. I, I I can't imagine them picking something else if this were called Old Maid. Uh, I don't know if it would have been the same. I do Checkers. think about that,
0: though. <laughs> and they're like, what if they got like Twister? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brain uh, Ankle is like, what if,
1: like... <laughs> Uh, but I mean, th- there's a lot of fun things about just the description of this movie. I mean, you know, childhood games or whatever incorporated into this weird ritual and this cult-like family. It's just, th- I just read the descriptions of the movie. I don't even know if I saw the trailer. I just read the description. I saw the poster and I'm like, wow, that sounds cool. I have to see this. Um, I- I'm not familiar with the other movies that the, the filmmakers uh, had done. Um, what are these guys' names here? Uh, Bettinelli Open, and Gillett. So they made a movie that I had heard of called VHS, which was kind of a anthology type horror thing. Have you seen VHS or Devils do, I guess, was the other one they were known for?
0: I've seen clips of them. The best of YouTube clips. I'm not very good with horror. I'm like a little too scared sometimes. (laughs) Um, So that's why I kind of like these movies that like lean on like action almost. Like Mm -hmm. this is like part action and stuff. So like that's, so like, I look up things like that to see if it's like how scary it is. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I know the concept of the movie, but I haven't seen it.
1: I'm already telling you right now, you have to watch Get Out. Uh, if this is the type that you, you go for, then watch Get Out. Probably not as like action as this, but still kind of like sick, funny and all that. Uh, so the, the cast, uh, we'll just quickly talk about the star. Because when I mentioned to Ben, we we're going to be recording this today. I said, Samara Weaving's the star. And Ben was excited for that because she's Australian. She's the, the... Did you know that she was the the niece or something like that of uh, Hugo Weaving, who's in the Lord of the Rings movies, V for Vendetta? No. You, you know said Hugo that name
0: Weaving? and I was like, I have no idea who that is.
1: Google Hugo Weaving. You'll recognize him. I, you've, I'm guessing you've seen the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movies.
0: Yes, but can you tell me you recognize an actor from that, like outside oh. of...
1: Uh... Hugo, Weaving, Orlando blue. Like who do you, I can't <laughs> recognize anyone. I, I can, but I mean, Hugo weaving also, I, I would say recognize him for V for vendetta. Cause that's probably the other thing he's most well known for, but he has a mask on that entire movie. So probably not, but. Oh, uh, that, that helps. Yeah. But uh, Hugo weaving, she's got the kind of this famous uncle and Ben's a fan of hers for other reasons. Um, <laughs> which you can probably guess. Oh,
0: she's, she's pretty old for Ben.
1: She is a little bit old for him, Yeah. <laughs> uh, also listen to our Cowboys and aliens recap. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I had the only thing I had seen her in uh, prior to watching this. And it was maybe only a week or two before I watched this was Bill and Ted face the music. The, the last I saw Bill that was
0: on her thing. And I was like, yeah. You would have seen that.
1: Yeah. And, and she was great in that movie. Like I, I love that movie, but she was arguably the best thing in that. I mean, I, I liked her probably than, better than Keanu Reeves and Alice winter in Bill and Ted face the music. So I saw a lot of star potential with her. and She's very funny. She's very charismatic. Uh, To me, she just looks like Margot Robbie, but I actually think she's a better actress than Margot Robbie. And it's funny that uh, Margot Robbie is the person she's most often compared to because the role was originally offered to Margot Robbie and she turned it down. So they said, Samara Weaving, can you do this? Uh, But I I mean, I'm I'm definitely a fan of hers now. Uh, The rest of the cast, I mean, Andy McDowell is probably the only known actor in this movie. Uh, Obviously, she was more famous back in the day for things like Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, multiplicity was one that I loved. Uh, it, 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 if you like dumb comedies, Michael Keaton playing clones of himself, Multiplicity, that was a good one. Groundhog Day is probably the movie she's most famous for with Bill Murray. Um, other than them, and Adam Brody, who I guess is the other known actor, of This, are you a fan of the OC? No. Are you familiar with the OC? You know it was a show that existed?
0: Um, all I know is that <laughs> it, there was a show. It's
1: called it's the OC. Stereotypical,
0: like California like lifestyle, like teenage thing. And then they say, isn't, then they say it's OC, it's the OC bitch or something like that.
1: It, it's, you, you accurately describe the show, except I want to add on there that I almost feel like the show is almost a little bit of a satire of those Beverly Hills 90210 type shows. It's kind of funny, but Adam Brody was like the, the surprising breakthrough star of that show. He, he was playing the geeky guy and he became a bigger star than anybody on the show. Uh, but he kind of dropped off the face of the planet and uh, uh, the same year as this came out, Uh, was in Shazam, and he's actually giving me the Shazam sequel as well. But he plays the brother in this, Daniel. Other than that, you have a cast of almost exclusively Canadian actors that I kept looking at saying, I know them from this Canadian TV show. I know them from this Canadian TV show. Uh, Anybody
0: from that Corner Gas show?
1: Nobody from Corner Gas, sadly. But uh, our other most famous television show that Canada's produced within our lifetime, uh, Orphan Black, uh, the the brother-in-law who keeps Googling... and doing YouTube videos <laughs> on everything. Uh, he, he was on Orphan Black. He played one of the clothes. Are you familiar with Orphan Black at all?
0: I know it's a show.
1: It, it, it you like that show. Uh, most people don't realize it's a Canadian show, even though it takes place in Canada and is hundred percent Canadian, but uh, he was on Orphan Black. Uh, you have the, I'm not even going to go through all the actors' names. You have the sister who's coked out for the entire movie. Who's on another very famous Canadian sci-fi show called Winona Earp, which is kind of a, a supernatural Western show. She's the star of that. She's fantastic. And to abandon This, Uh, you have the 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 main, I guess, male lead, the the husband, uh, Alex, who starred in a big Canadian movie a year or two ago uh, about the the goalie, the hockey player who brought in masks for goalies, uh, which he's from Winnipeg as well. Not the actor, but the hockey player. So recognize him. Uh and um the 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 dad in this Henry Cherney he's in lots of great Canadian stuff, but he's actually probably most well known for uh mid-90s movies like Clear and Present Danger and the first Mission Impossible movie. And 15 or no, my math is terrible when I'm on the show. Uh if I'm not on the show, I'm good at math. 25 years after he was in the original Mission Impossible movie, they're bringing him back for the next Mission Impossible movie. So uh lots of great Canadian actors in here. I'm guessing your familiarity with them was zero. Uh, but are you a, a particular fan of any of them after watching this movie include the I mean, non-canadians I knew,
0: I knew andy mcdowell i mean i could not tell you what i've seen her in but I, like i knew her instantly mm-hmm. um when i saw the movie the first time um and i really like samara although she has the issue of like looking like so many other
1: like australian actresses, actresses.
0: <laughs> like there's like three or four of them like her margot robbie and like two others that are like you could interchange them visually and yeah. you'd be like, um. so like, that's unfortunate, but I, I though, regardless of knowing them going in, they were all great in the whole um, movie, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then the, <laughs> I guess the other main characters, which is just round them here and I'll Google to see if they actually are Canadian. Uh, we have Daniel's wife who, oh, there we go. Another Canadian. She was on Stargate universe. Uh, and then the ant. Now the ant has got to be one of the scene sealers in this movie. Uh, She is Canadian, and I don't think I've seen much. Oh, she was on *Street Legal*. That was a big show for a while. Um, *Cube*. There's a great movie. We should do that for Halloween month. Now, you want you want an interesting Canadian movie? Uh, *Cube* is a movie. I'm just gonna set Did this I up for...
0: for interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna set this up for you, the premise for next year. Because if you like a movie like *Ready or Not*, you might like *Cube*. *Cube* is a movie where you have like I don't know a half dozen people, maybe eight people, who all wake up just in a room, like a blank room, and then they basically realize. The Well, not the room, not that the room, uh, the cube, (laughs) but they they suddenly realize they're in this giant death trap, which is a revolving door of a Rubik's Cube. So the rooms will constantly move around them and every room has a certain death trap and puzzle. It's basically like escape room, but a little bit creepier and more violent and gory. Uh, and clever. So it, maybe we'll cover that next year if we want to do Canada versus U.S. Horror Month or something. Uh, but anyways, that's pretty much it, the cast. We've got uh, a lot of other uh, minor bit players in here The help, uh, I guess. But we can pretty much jump straight into the movie unless there's anything else you want to cover.
0: Let's get Let's ready. do it. Or not.
1: Oh, there we go. He found a way to fit it in. All right. Well, I'm you ready. Pr- you have
0: the better lines, too. I hope he should say, <laughs> I hope you're ready or not. You know.
1: Uh, I just totally dropping the ball here. Uh, so the movie actually opens with, this is a scene I didn't even remember. I didn't catch it the first time. This is where I think rewatching the movie really fits in because you're watching this opening scene where- <laughs> Is that a dig?
0: <laughs> you no, know, <Yes>. really rewatching, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doing your homework for a change.
0: <laughs> I don't um, get paid enough
1: for this. <laughs> don't get paid at all. Uh, or do you? I don't know if you do, then you're starting to host these episodes. I'm not doing your hard work anymore. Uh, but this backstory- which is showing everybody playing hide and seek and people with guns. And the, what I missed the first time around, I kind of got this is what they were doing, but what I missed the first time around when I watched this movie was the names of the characters are all here. You have Daniel saying Alex, you have somebody saying Helene, and you have you know this woman with a gun. And then they flash forward to 30 years later. Only on a rewatch do I realize this is the backstory that they talk about uh, later on with uh, Helene's wedding, the, the creepy aunt. Uh, it basically immediately jumps into the wedding day and you get introduced to the bride and you get introduced to the groom. And we're going to go through this. We've gone through it on uh, another podcast recently. Um, But uh, does everything in this movie not happen? If the bride and groom had actually stayed away from each other on their wedding day, Uh, this is like bad luck omen or whatever. You don't, the bride and groom don't see each other on the wedding day. And here they're seeing each other, they're talking and they're literally watching people get in their seats outside in the backyard Nothing bad happens. Maybe if they just obey the rules, I'm just going to say that. Uh, but uh, they're they're kind of setting up the whole family dynamic here. As Alex, the fiance, is talking about, you know, oh, you know, if uh, we had done this my family's way, there would have been a three year courtship instead of 18 months. And she says, bone-a-thon. I love just the response, the back and forth that they have here. This is what Samara Weaving so good at, just this natural, you know, awkward, hilarious <laughs> chemistry. Uh, where he's like, "Well." Interesting choice of words. Maybe you should include that in your vows. And she's like, well, I did actually. <laughs> uh, uh, so um, th- we basically get to the, the wedding. We have the sister-in-law who's Adam Brody's wife here, who uh, even refers to her as saying she's pretty enough in a last call of the time bar kind of way, uh, but she'll never be one of us. Uh, and I love that um, uh, Adam Brody even says here, of course not. She has a soul. Uh, so you instantly get this whole family. There's the people who are on the outs and the people who are 100% bought into this. Annie McDowell, the mother-in-law, has a scene with um, the, the bride here. Uh, Grace is her name. Uh, and uh, we're just getting a lot of introduction to the family members. So um, well, it's their wedding night and you think they're about to get it on in his old bedroom or whatever, you have creepy Aunt Helene in the corner. And I just love early in the movie, every time they cut to creepy Aunt Helene, it's just like the most unpleasant look on her face. And she's just doing like everybody knows somebody really unpleasant and unfriendly like this and just terrible. Like, you know, oh, I just wish they would die of old age already. <laughs> That's Aunt Helene. Do you have an Aunt Helene in your family? You don't have to mention them by name.
0: Um, someone named Colin Hill. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't think of it. Ben Waterworth. <laughs> you wouldn't say even if you did. Uh, I, I do want to say, I, I I think what this movie is going for, it's going for two things. We'll get into what the second theme of this movie is. But the first part is just that awkwardness of, you know, your in-laws, because the fact is you're never going to know your in-laws. and And, you know, Jamie actually knew my family, her in-laws quite well before we got married, but that's basically because I have two people. <laughs> she, she had to meet my brother and meet my sister. Uh, my mom, she met once or twice, but my, my mom's dead now. Um, nobody killed her. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Uh, my grandparents dead. Like basically everybody in my family's dead, except for people and a couple of the other extended family members, she sort of met at the wedding or people that I hadn't talked to in like 10 years. So it didn't matter, but easy on Jamie's part. But Jamie has seven brothers or eight brothers uh, and one sister uh, from two separate fathers. So there's no way I was even going to meet all of her family. And if I did, I don't remember it. I think Ben and I also mentioned this uh, recently on one of our episodes that we covered that uh, I, I honestly don't think I could name all of Jamie's siblings for you if I wanted to. I can't remember. There's too many of them. So I kind of get this whole grace thing you're into this family and. I think you also always have the one person setting up worse than it is. Oh, you don't know how crazy. I definitely had that with Jamie. Jamie, you don't know how crazy this person in my family is. Oh, they seem nice. And I'm like, well, you don't know them well. Uh, and I, I just really like the way this is played off. Because if you didn't see the poster, I mean, you're thinking this is a completely normal movie up at this point, even if you saw that opening scene. Uh, but Creepy Aunt Helene totally fits in with this uh, family. And even the mom, Andy McDowell. She is so pleasant and so friendly and yet you know she's so evil. Like you don't even have to say it. It's great. Uh, So they are basically saying, yeah, we got to play this game. Um, Also, there was a line earlier on where uh, they're talking about the games and Alex says, uh, or are you going to tell her anything about this? And he goes, no, I'm not telling her anything because we're leaving tomorrow. So what we're going to find out later on about these games, he's assuming nothing's bad that's going to happen here and that she'll never have to know about this. Um, uh, The... (laughs) the, the, the one line I really liked here from aunt Helene, I think it was, uh, where she refers to the, I think Emily is her name. The, the coked out sister, brown haired niece, you continue to exist, I think is what she (laughs) says her. Uh, and as they gather around the table here to play this midnight game, which this is the big ritual. And I, I just love Samara weaving the way that she keeps responding. Oh, a game that's weird, but sure. Let's go for it. And like, you just know there's something wrong here and she's the only one that doesn't get it. And the dad starts explaining this history about La Bale, uh, and the guy who, who, you know, gave this mysterious box to his grandfather and the mystery of the box. And his grandpa eventually solved it. And they have to now play a game every time somebody news in the family. Uh, and you have to draw a card out of the box. And this will say what game you play. And Grace draws a card out of the box and it's hide and seek. she goes Oh, you know, that's, that's, that's good. Right. And just everybody's faces drop or some of their faces drop, and some of them don't. Now, what we're going to find out later in the movie is that nobody has drawn this since the opening scene 30 years ago. Uh, but still, it doesn't bother half the people in the family. Uh, so they basically say, what's the rules? Okay, so this is setting up the the, the, the rules of the movie. You hide and we come and find you. Uh, she even points out, well, isn't that kind of giving you an advantage because you've got all these cameras here? Oh, we only play it the way that grandpa would have played it back a hundred whatever years ago. So all the cameras are off. All the, the power is off. We can only use things that were around at that point, which is going to play into the weapons. Uh, so she goes off. Uh, we get the creepy record song that's playing this ready or not. Here I come song, uh, which is very creepy for a ch- child song. Uh, and she hides in the dumbwaiter and she even kind of has a line to herself. is like, Hey, you know, how was your wedding night? Great. I hid in the dumbwaiter. Uh, and then she's saying, this is stupid. Now everybody else is gathering up weapons. Uh, Alex is basically ushered out. And uh, one of the, I think it was the sister-in-law who's really into this way more into this than she should be. She has to kind of watch Alex. That's her job. And um, well, Grace is kind of, you know, Oh, is this ever going to end? You know, I should just leave. Eventually she comes out. Uh, One of the maids finds out the Georgie, one of the two little kids is out of bed. So the kids aren't uh, partaking in this. And as Georgie's out wandering around, Emily, the coked out sister comes and she accidentally shoots one of their servants, one of the maids. Uh, And, Everybody else gathers in and they think, they, oh, you got her finally because this is a game to kill the bride that now we're realizing. And uh, they realize, no, you killed the help. And we get the first of many lines of this movie every time somebody of the help dies where somebody's like, oh, that's too bad. She was my favorite. <laughs> every time somebody dies it was somebody else's favorite.
0: It's like, does that count? if she? If yeah, she does dies? it count?
1: Is it, no, no, it has to be the bride. They <laughs> just keep reminding everybody. Uh, I, I just think this movie nails, like this is opening the way that you obviously know there's something weird about this. You see them with weapons, you kind of get where it's going. And yet it's still kind of a shock where somebody dies. And then the movie's just going to continue to pile on the absurdity of how weird this family is as it progresses. But even just this opening, like I, I knew what the movie was going to be. And when I saw this, I'm like, they just killed the maid. I get where this movie's going. It's going for the shock of the violence, not necessarily gore, but the shock of the violence and just this really dark sense of humor. Too many movies like this just play it straight for laughs. And this one's like, we're gonna play for like an uncomfortable laugh. And I, I, I that, even just, oh, she was my favorite. Oh, does it still count? That's what I think is like, we're playing it for that uncomfortable laugh. Agreed. Nothing else to add?
0: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, the whole movie plays like, um, plays like the, the way that they intended in the sense that it's this like family, like get together. Mm -hmm. It's like the reunion and everything. And then there's like some weird tension. Like you have people that are saying weird things to you. Like, you know, you know, Andy McDowell almost intimidates her. You know, Aunt Helene stares at her the entire movie. Like pretty much at the beginning, like she's doing photos and she's just staring at her. Uh, So it plays really well. And I think that like Samara Weaving's characters, like innocence of like, Uh just gonna get through it i
1: love her awkward laugh every time something happens (laughs) it's
0: it's realistic it's so realistic that that it just like it eases you in so well to like the 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 characters and the story and everything and so like that's what's kind of exciting about like the start of the movie um and then obviously it gets weird when she just the aunt helene just shows up in the bedroom as they're like making out (laughs) um and like her and samara's like willingness like but it's weird but like i guess whatever like what's the harm that could happen um the weirdest thing for me though about the story is that hide and seek is the one that's deadly none of the other ones yeah. are deadly but hide and seeks like i just don't get how bad <laughs> the most was the innocent
1: child game like the one is that it? every child plays okay well i mean i so what i'm saying is there are other games board games like checkers or chess anybody can play them a two-year-old can play hide and seek you know we're going to pick Mm -hmm. the game that is the that is the least intimidating game you could pick and that's going to be our deadly game
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well and i guess i guess it works it it makes for an interesting like you know horror you know you're hiding you're you're trying to stay hidden and stuff like that so i guess that works as that way um but yeah like you said great start to the movie that song is so creepy (laughs) but, but it's like the perfect thing. And then it just slowly fades out. And it's like, doesn't it end on like three, two, one or something
1: countdown. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so like, it's just perfect. And she's just sitting in the dumbwaiter like, yeah. And all the the quick lines that get thrown off, like between like get, when the help get killed, does that count? And then her, like, I'm in a dumbwaiter on my wedding night. Like just those lines are so, clever so witty and and just like break a little bit of the tension of the whole movie Mm
1: -hmm. uh i like the 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 next scene when everything's kind of everybody grouping together and they start explaining all the rules here uh just the little things that the family do throughout the course of this movie just to show like how i guess not a big deal this is for them even the ones where it is a big deal like the brother-in-law he's one of the few characters in this movie usually you get like a slash movie like this and you're trying to guess in the case of scream oh, who's the killer going to be? Let me look for the suspicious activity. This is almost who's actually going to be the one to help her. And, you know, Adam Brody's obviously one of the sympathetic ones that you're going to get coming up, but you don't get it at this point. The brother-in-law, who's just so clueless, where he's looking at the YouTube video of, you know, how to arm a crossbow <laughs> while he's sitting on the toilet. And it's like these mundane things are like, oh, I got to kill somebody. Now, Google, how to kill somebody. Uh, and it's not even that he's into this, but like, I, I, this is where it works that so this isn't an annual tradition they do. They play the game, but for the first time in 30 years, they have to kill somebody and only two of these people were there the last time they had to kill somebody.
0: I was going to say, you could see how ready Aunt Helene is for this.
1: Yeah. Like, she was the
0: last person to suffer. You know, she lost her husband Mm -hmm. because of this game. Like, she's ready for it, you know, and the others are Or (laughs) not. Nailed it! (laughs) Uh, But, like, you could see that she's prepared and everyone else is like, totally lost mm-hmm. one's on drugs the other's <laughs> clueless
1: you know um her brother-in-law
0: the, the, could care less about any of this
1: and the sister-in-law so, like, just is just in- like way too into it
0: <laughs> yeah she's too into it but not good enough so yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's just interesting to see all these different ways that the characters are going about it and like how they react to the concept of like we're gonna have to kill this woman you know
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, they even start slowly explaining the rules. Like, again, this movie could have just explained everything up front. You get that something weird is going to happen here. You probably get from the opening scene that there's going to be somebody who dies. Uh, but they don't explain all these rules. And it was only it's only now where they explain the, the rule, I think, of if you don't play, you die. Uh, and that's going to be really important when we get to the end of the movie that these characters are just taking for granted. that They're assuming, oh, something bad is going to happen. And I think that's one of the interesting things about this movie that it doesn't get enough credit for is just people buying into something without any proof, you know? Oh, something bad's going to happen if we do this. Oh, well, they said that something bad. My mom told me something bad was going to happen, you know? Uh, you know if, you're, if your mom says, don't eat your, if you don't eat your green vegetables, you're going to grow an extra eye or something like that. Uh, this is what they're buying into. Uh, and there's going to be some clever stuff later on in the movie. But this don't play or you die, now they're explaining why everybody's going along with this. Uh, now why everybody's going along with it with different levels of enthusiasm, that's the cleverness of the movie. Uh, when Daniel, the brother, comes in, um, and he's just immediately looking at Grace like, oh, I just came in for a drink. And you're like, oh, he's gonna be the nice guy now. He's gonna let her go. And they kind of have this conversation. It's like, you know, please, they're trying to kill me. I gotta get out of here. And he's like, all I could do is give you a 10-second head start. Like you can tell he doesn't want to do this. And he actually has one of the best characters in this entire movie. Uh, because we get so much out of him. Uh, so many of these scenes where will he or won't he? Uh, But even when she leaves, he's, he's counting the 1,001 and you have like a six second lapse, 1,002, 1,002 and a half. And then eventually he's just like, all right, she's in the, the library or whatever. Um, And uh, interesting,
0: like his character is what you'd expect the husband to be. Yeah. But it's not, you know, so that's, that's like the most interesting thing about the character.
1: Well, and I also think it's interesting that you have the two kids who don't want to have anything to do with this and just the difference between the dad and Aunt Helene who lived through this maybe as adults and that's the difference, whereas they lived through as kids. But then when we get the kids in this movie like Georgie later on, we have completely different reactions. So it's just, there's a lot going on with the characters and why they all respond in a different way without this movie getting too intelligent because it's not meant to be. Uh, Here we get one of the best parts of the entire movie where everybody's gathering together after Daniel lost Grace and uh emily who's already shot one person in the help it's like i keep losing oh where's my gun i keep losing my gun oh i suck and then the parents like you don't suck baby you're fine you don't suck and then it's like i need a new weapon <laughs> the, the guy the the brother-in-law who's been doing youtube videos on how to use a crossbow by the way the um uh the, i think it was the screenwriters of the movie are the guys who cameo as the youtube instructors on how to use a crossbow uh but uh he's like here take this crossbow because he he hasn't figured out how to make this thing work and another person walks in the room another person to help walks in the room and what does she do she shoots the help again (laughs) and then she starts freaking why does this keep happening (laughs) uh emily is so good i feel like they, they just drop her from the movie after this point it would be great to keep having her pop up but i guess everybody has to have their uh their own parts they start debating about okay well she's out now and now she knows we're coming to kill her this isn't like when, the way it's supposed to be played where it's hide and seek and you just find them. And the first person who finds them, kills them. They don't know what's going on. This is also new for the family. Cause like, well, this isn't supposed to happen. We should have killed her by now. Now she knows we're trying to kill her. We have to get her. And obviously Alex is missing. They realize that. So Alex is telling her what's going on. So they know she's going to be clued in now. She's going to find a way to get out that they're debating about whether or not they should turn on the cameras, but that's, that's, that's not part of the tradition. And then they're like, well, don't you think our grandfather would have used cameras if he had them back in his day? So this becomes a whole debate about turning on the cameras. Alex finds Grace. He starts explaining the whole rules of this family and everything. They think that if they don't kill you before dawn, something bad's going to happen to them. You know, we just need to survive before dawn. We have to find a way to get you out of here. Um, Grace has a scene where she's arming up. He tells her, basically, go down this hallway into the kitchen. She gets in the kitchen. We get this great kitchen scene uh, where... The this guy, Stevens, who's the one useful person of their help, the butler or the driver, whatever he is, where he is making a pot of tea and he's whistling it. And Grace is trying to sneak out or whatever. She tries to pull the trigger on him. And he even says, oh, that gun, that ammo is display only. So what does she immediately do? Takes the scalding teapot to his head. And I like the way this movie will sometimes surprise you with the action with something you just don't expect. Cause that's the movie in a typical horror movie where or the moment where she's got the gun, it misfires. It goes, Oh, you know, bad luck. That's a display only without even blinking. She's got a teapot across his head, scalding him. Uh, now the cameras are all on. Uh, Alex is breaking the console. He's opening the doors. He's basically giving her, her escape route. Uh, there's the fight scene here between the uh, Alex and his dad and uh daniel's in there and daniel is basically talking to alex here and telling him you know it's it's okay i'll help you get grace out i'll help you and then the dad comes and hits alex behind the head and even the dad's like you know what are you doing and and daniel's playing it off it's like i was just distracting him. i was stalling for time and i think this is what's so great about adam brody's character is that i don't think you really even now after watching the movie twice i don't think i know whether he was trying to help uh, his brother here get the his bride out, or if he was distracting him. You know, he's gonna make some decisions later on in the movie, but at this point, I think it, he probably was starting, I don't know. Do you do you have a call on that? We'll kind of break here, you give me your thoughts on it. But what was he doing at this point? Was he was he trying to distract him or was he trying to help him?
0: Which brother? Because you said the names of the, the brothers, and I don't know the Adam, names of Adam that.
1: Brody. Daniel is the the brother who doesn't want any of this, who gave Grace the 10 second head start, who Later on, that's, is gonna... that's the brother. <laughs> that's what, what is the question here? So Alex Wait. is the groom.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Daniel is his brother. Okay.
0: Daniel's what the guy who doesn't want
1: to do any of this. So when Daniel and Alex and Daniel and the dad, when when the dad and both sons are in there and they're, they're trying to stop him because he smashed the console, he's broken all their security precautions and Alex is trying to say, Oh, I need to get Grace out of here. Help me, Daniel. And Daniel's like, Okay, I'll help you. The brother is saying, I will help you. But then the dad hits the Alex groomed. over the, the
0: head. Not the not groom brother.
1: Not groom brother. Yeah. The other guy's the brother in law. The not groom brother. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have uh, learned their names. Uh, let's call Adam Brody. <laughs> uh, the dad hits Alex over the head. And he even says, What are you doing? Why are you trying to help him? And he goes, I wasn't trying to help him. I was just distracting him so you could do that. I'm still kind of torn. Was he actually trying to help his brother? Because you've already established, okay, I have to go along with this. I'm sorry, but he doesn't want to go along with it. Or was he distracting him for the dad?
0: I think that there's like a struggle the whole time. Like, cause he then, he's the one who then gets her in the forest later, right? Yeah. So like, I think there's a struggle, like where he like willingly gets her then, but then like now, is like sort of unwilling, but like, I think it's like keeping up appearances. So he's got to look like he's trying. Um, I think it's, uh, it's tough. Like, I, I don't think there's a solid, like one way or the other.
1: The answer is I yes. I think that
0: <laughs> it's like yes and no, because I think that he's still struggling potentially with the fact that he was the one who like called out the guy last time, it was 30 yeah. years ago. So like, there's obviously that struggle. So like, i think that the, this answer like goes back and forth like it's a yeah. flip-flop
1: and i think that's that's something i actually like about this movie is that we really don't know uh and, and with some of the other characters we don't know why they're going what well, again the kind of theme of this movie that's going to come out uh is uh you know gives you a clue as to why everybody's going along with this uh the last servant ends up dying in the dumbwaiter getting crushed uh i think this is the only time we don't have a line of oh that's too bad she was my favorite um and Helene now it has... it was
0: not a kill by the family, so...
1: Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, Helene now has this speech about Alex where she's saying Alex is exactly like me uh, because it's, it's it was me who had to sacrifice my spouse on my wedding day last time. And I'm sort of the leader of this family. And Alex is the one who has to sacrifice. And Alex is the one who's supposed to lead this family. Now, this is going to set up, you know, what happens with Alex later on in the movie. Um, but... Uh, it's interesting just throwing these little things of the characters out there because the family wants Alex back in there and Alex doesn't want any part of this. So part of what they're doing is trying to convince their son, you know what, come back with us again. You know, he's been you know, out doing his own thing. He doesn't want to have anything to do with them. He would have been okay not getting married. Uh, I think we even have that scene where Early on, she was saying, uh, you know, why did you let me do this if you knew they were going to potentially kill me? Well, nobody's ever pulled the card in 30 years. I didn't know. And plus, you wouldn't be with me unless we got married. So you kind of brought this on yourself. Uh, but uh, just this dilemma that Alex has where it's like he didn't want to get married because he knew this was going to happen. Uh, and now Helene saying, hey, I became who I was because my husband died. I was him before. Uh, you kind of wonder what's going to happen to Alex later. Uh, so. There's uh, also the moment here. This is where they they drop the seed that the reason Alex is going to leave the family is because he's the only one who's seeing this Labale character, this this demon who granted them all this wealth. And this is where we start to find out everything they have, th- their board game empire, uh, all their you know their wealth, uh, everything they have, all their success is because they sold, they made a deal with the devil, uh, Le and Alex, as a child, was the only one who saw this LaBelle uh, sitting in a chair. And they would say, well, he was five years old. We don't know if he saw anything. And I love they keep throwing these things in. there, saying this curse is real. And people questioning, we have no proof this curse is real. <laughs> We've never seen anything happen. Uh, I think they have the moment where they talk about another family later on. Remember what happened to whatever family? Their house burnt down. Uh, and they're like, that doesn't mean anything. Like y- you have the mystery for the audience. Is this real or is it not? Is it all in the character's head? Uh, we have, um, grace who's finally got out of the house. Cause the doors are unlocked. Now she's sneaking around outside. She makes her way into the barn. And this is where she finds little Georgie, the boy who has disappeared earlier on the nanny was looking for. And she's like, Oh, Georgie, Georgie, you got to get out of here. It's dangerous. And Georgie pulls out a gun, little kid, eight year old kid pulls out a gun and shoots her through the hand. I just love the balls of this movie to have a gun, <laughs> a kid shooting <laughs> a woman through a hand. Uh, And what does she do? She punches the kid in the face. Now this is what makes a movie more punching in the face of children. I have three children upstairs. I don't want anybody to punch them. But again, just the, I love when a movie does something that's unexpected. Like you can't do that in a movie. No, we're going to have a five foot, nothing blonde woman in a wedding dress covered in blood with a hole through her hand, punch a kid in the face because that's what we want to do in our movie. It's it's admirable. Uh, She falls into this pit. We see there's all these corpses in there all these bones. This is everybody who's been killed before half of which are the help. We're, we're going to, this is where they put their help when they die. Uh, and she starts climbing out of this pit. And uh, one of the great shots of this entire movie is where she's dangling. And you see that she's, she's having trouble pulling herself up out of this pit and you see the nail there. And they, they, they dwell on it for like 15, 20 seconds until eventually her fingers are slipping and she slams the other hand up there. And the nail goes right through the hole in her hand. and She's screaming, uh, that's the only thing that's holding her on. It's such a great moment. Just again, not too gory or graphic where it grosses you out, but just enough where you're like, oh, I don't know if I can watch this. Uh,
0: it's funny. The first time when I saw this, I was like, I'm not worried at all about the nail because in my head I'm like, oh, it's going to go right through the hole in the her hole hand, <laughs> yeah. So she's not going to feel anything because she's going to miss. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. But I of didn't course- account
0: that there'd be like pain in the open wound. But I'm like there's no issue it's like yeah. it's gonna be fine so she's gonna <laughs> slam her hand down it's gonna be no pain
1: i mean if it wasn't if, was like, if if that hole wasn't supporting all of her body weight it might have been okay
0: <laughs> i mean it does give you like total like um uh, like it gave me flashbacks of the uh, in quiet place when uh emily blunt's character is trying to go up the oh steps, the nails steps
1: yeah yeah This is Nail in Skin Month on the Oz Network. (laughs) Maybe we'll find that in the plot keywords later on. We can connect the movies. Uh, But she screams a lot here. Like, I think this is important as well. Her scream in this movie, you have the typical horror movie scream, which is like a scream of shock. Her scream is a scream of pain every time she screams in this movie. And another thing that's so good about her performance, you believe that she's been brutalized and that she's in agony and that she's also terrified and also fighting for her life. I don't think I've ever seen in a slasher movie before somebody fight for their life the way that she does like it looks believable the littlest thing she's there's not one second where she's not scrapping you know uh and, and it's not like she becomes superhuman either i mean the only moment we get of your typical movie cliche where she's like i'm fighting back where she slaps on the vest of bullets and she's got the shotgun and what does it result in no those bullets are display only that's not real gun she doesn't have this typical movie moment where she becomes a superhero She's bleeding and screaming the whole time. And anytime she is fighting back, she's doing something like biting somebody or kicking them in the balls or, you know, scraping them with her fingernails. It's all dirty fighting. And I think that's kind of realistic. Uh, I like that in the movie. Um, When she gets out of the pit, she uh, is running across the lawn. And we get this is where the sister-in-law has a moment where she's, oh, great, I have you now. And she's trying to shoot her. She just ends up shooting the bird. So, again, the sister-in-law just not very good at this. Very enthusiastic, like I said, very not good at this, like you said. Uh, and uh, Adam Brody even has a scene, I don't remember if it's here or later on, where uh, he's talking about, um, you know, why he, he wants to help her. And uh, he's saying, like, you know, she, she doesn't deserve this. And then uh, even saying, like, you know, oh, you honestly don't care uh, about me. And he goes, you signed up for this. You, you are more than willing to, to sign your blood on the dotted line as soon as you found out, and this is where that, that theme of the movie, the whole class structure plays in. It's not just simple greed. A lot of these characters are characters that they had nothing. So they wanted. like the sister-in-law she didn't grow up. Like you know, some of these other kids, they grew up rich. They don't want to lose their success or they grew up and they were just indoctrinated. The adults is where you start to question. Why would the brother-in-law go along with this? Uh, the sister uh, here, Adam Brody's wife, Daniel's wife, It's because she's like, Oh, I wanted to be rich. You know, she even says, you know what I came from before this, but then you have grace. Who's the exact same character. She talks about growing up in foster care and you think she'd be one who'd sign up for this, but of course they're trying to kill her. So another interesting question, would grace have gone along with this if she knew she wasn't going to die? If if she had drawn a different card and played this game and then Alex had told her, Hey, listen, my family kind of wants to bring us back into the business you just got to know you made a deal with the devil. Is that okay with you? And she's like, sure. Like, would she have gone along with it or no? Or is that even, I just don't even think it's the point of the movie.
0: I agree. I don't think it's the point. <laughs> um, no, but I, I really like her character. The... Um, Grace. No, uh, the other one. sister uh, law Yes.
1: Yeah, let's, I think let's
0: she's. I, I think she's interesting. I think that it like shows, like, I think she's on the side of like, like, you know, she's willing to protect what she has now and stuff like that. I just mm-hmm. think that, that that's more interesting than, like, some of the other ones that are just, like, ready to kill. Yeah. So.
1: And, and like I was saying, you know, not not to answer the question of what would Grace have done if she hadn't drawn the hide-and-seek card, but what they're implying is that her and the sister-in-law here are essentially the same character. They came from nothing. Uh, I think the only difference is, is that... Um, what Adam Brody kind of brought her in to the family because Alex is sort of ostracized from this family. He's the black sheep. There was no exposure. Grace isn't thinking, yeah, I'm marrying into money here. It's kind of a surprise to her. Oh, your family has all this money. Uh, whereas the the other girl, the sister-in-law willingly came into this because she came, but they're both for sort of the kids that came from nothing. Uh, Grace almost gets out uh, squeezing through the fence here. And again, I love the, the gore of certain scenes where they don't go too graphic, but they go just graphic enough where you're like, Ooh, that's just uncomfortable where, the, the fence is slicing her skin. And again, typical movie cliche, you're going to see that. And you're just going to see a trail of blood. They're showing her wound opening as the thing is tearing. Away yeah, that was stand. the worst
0: one for me. Like yeah. that one, I felt, you felt that one the most, mm-hmm. at least for me.
1: Yeah, no. And, and they, again, they let it dwell for a long time. Uh, this isn't like a yeah, it's cheap not like, horror movie. Yeah, It's not just scares. It's like, we're going to make you really uncomfortable for an extended period of time. Uh, but when she gets out again, one of the great things about this movie, she gets out, she flags on a car for help and like, get out of the road. You idiot. (laughs) Just drive off. (laughs) She just starts freaking out. Uh, we get uh, a chase scene here, uh, of Stevens. This is the guy she scolded with the teapot. And, um, he's running her down with the car. Uh, there's a fight scene. And this is where she starts fighting really dirty, kicking the balls and all that, uh, that, that they, mentioned here uh or this is where they find Georgie the little boy and Georgie's even saying oh what happened and he goes well I saw what you guys were trying to do so I came out here to shoot her and this is where the mom says oh oh I'm so proud of you <laughs> again not played for laughs played for uncomfortable laughs uh and after um the fight scene with Stevens here the butler when, when she's uh when she's in the car and you get this auto help guy uh on the line and it's like, uh, hi, what is your emergency? Somebody's trying to kill me. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Uh, you know, how can I help you? <laughs> and it's like, I said, somebody's trying to kill me. Send the police. Okay. Well, um, this car has been reported stolen. I'm going to have to shut it down now. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to raise your voice at me. Man. I just love this the worst customer service rep ever. <laughs> She's dying here. Shuts down the car. She gets out. She's eventually going to get <laughs> caught here by, um, the butler, uh, <laughs> Stevens, uh, I guess. And um, uh, it's funny that he catches up that quickly too, because she fights him off when he's just gotten out of the car. And she's driving for, let's say it's 60 seconds. She's on this call for at least 60 seconds. So let's say a minute and a half, she's driving away. I doubt she's going the speed limit. She's probably going more than that. And then when the car shut down, Stevens is there within five seconds. So this guy's running faster than the same bolt or faster than Britney Spears to get uh, there. Colin
0: Hilding at a long race exactly long yeah.
1: he's a, He he is an endurance runner uh he's there in a split second uh but he catches her and we get this other really great scene as he's driving her back to the compound and they're all watching on the video as he's driving good she's there now she's coming we ought to prepare for the ritual and uh he's like look out look out and she kicks him in the head uh car flips over great effect here great low budget way to do a rec sequence like this instead of showing the car flipping seven times like they do in a James Bond movie uh, it's just shot from inside the point of view of the car and you're not even seeing out the windows you're just seeing their hair flopping all over the place and glass yeah, floating here so I love that um, eventually she's going to sneak out of the car and she's going to run into Daniel the, the brother who is he helping is he not helping in the woods and you're really convinced he's going to help but he goes you don't understand I have to go along with this and he shoots her with a tranquilizer dart. Uh, so now he's definitely one of the bad guys. And we find out from the dad here, the dad was watching the whole time and he was says, you can come out now. Did you know I was watching the whole time? Another layer you could add to the character. Would he have let her get away if the dad wasn't there? I, I like when there's these questions in the movies where you're not like it's a plot hole, but just sort of, it, it gives the characters a lot more personality. So Grace is caught now. Next thing coming is going to be a ritual. Uh, thoughts, Rossi?
0: yeah that was about like one of the best scenes of the movie the whole car thing
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the fact that like they're screaming like no behind you behind you and he's just got this classical music going uh yeah that's just and the the whole inside thing It's just all so so perfect of the whole uh the whole like one of the best scenes um so yeah that's a, it's a that's a whole like great sequence i think the dynamic of her with this butler character is really fun like it starts earlier in the kitchen and then moves out here like I think that that's like like one of the consistent like art mm. like parts of the the movie that that I, that are enjoyable uh, and yeah like constantly the grappling of whether or not Danny Daniel
1: Daniel yeah is gonna
0: help her like is, is just really interesting like and I think that by far the most fleshed out character the whole movie is outside of grace obviously it's probably him and so like yeah just their their scenes are really compelling and then you're like later on when he helps her like you're like even more confused like what's going on
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um so it honestly keeps you on your toes like we know who the killers are it's just like the the how and the why that we're like not sure of throughout the whole movie and like this is part of that
1: yeah it's kind of like i said earlier there's a mosquito or something that's bothering me here. <laughs> I'm not really animated about this movie. Uh, <laughs> this is the car flipping. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it's not like a who done it. It's a who's not going to do it. You know. Uh, and we're gonna how they're going to
0: how 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 do you do it?
1: Yeah, how um, how how done it? Uh, but also something important earlier on in the movie uh, when they thought that um, I think Melanie is her name. Um, Sure. Uh, the, the coked out sister. Uh, that might be the actress's name. But anyway, she's uh, when, when she's shooting people in the face and like, we need her maimed. We don't need her dead. We need her alive for this ritual. You realize there's a bigger part for this. They can't just kill Grace. They have to have her alive because it needs to be a living sacrifice or whatever. Uh, and that's another reason why I guess a lot of these weapons are non-lethal it's not like a shotgun you know it's it's a crossbow or whatever machete whatever it is uh we get a nice scene here between mother and son uh we should mention alex has now been chained up to a bed and every time they cut back to him he's just slowly sawing his way through the bed post with the the handcuffs uh but uh we basically have two scenes that played out very similar here where we had grace and daniel in the woods earlier and now we have alex and his mom in the bedroom where they're saying the exact same thing about if this curse is real. When Daniel is saying, no, I can't let you go, Grace, because something bad is going to happen. She goes, this curse isn't real. Things like this don't exist. You guys, you don't realize that this is just some story somebody told. And now you basically have Alex saying the same thing to mom. It's like, Hey, what if the curse isn't real? Uh, and now from your perspective, when you watch this the first time, were you thinking this curse is real or were you thinking, no, this is going to be the whole point of the movie is that nothing's going to happen.
0: Um, yeah, I think I was on the side of it's not going to happen. Um, but like, like these rich people are so desperate to keep everything that they have, like, even mm-hmm. if it's, you know, not physical and it's like metaphorical, you know, but like, yeah. they're so desperate to keep the status quo that like, they'll do it, they'll just do it. Um, and I think that this is probably more infused and in, fueled by the people that were there 30 years ago. Yeah. They're like we had to deal with this then like we're gonna have to deal with it now like they're not gonna let the tradition die because like they're like that they, we suffered so you have to suffer too you know so like i think that mm-hmm. yeah i was definitely on the side of it. it's it's not it's nothing's real
1: and, and what's interesting is that even what happened 30 years ago they still had no proof that this curse was real that anybody would die or anything bad would happen they they mentioned i think loosely here about this other family where their house burned down but again that's not concrete evidence or anything. Uh, I was sort of thinking, okay, it's throughout this entire movie. I was thinking the twist is going to be that there actually is still some kind of curse. I wasn't quite thinking it would be what it is, but uh, there's a moment where I changed my mind here where I actually thought the movie was going a different direction. And they, they sort of fooled me here. I'll, I'll get to that briefly. Uh, so now because uh, of everything that's happened, the kids have to be brought in for the sacrifice. So they're even telling the, they the bedtime story of the kids. We want to tell you about a little man named LaBelle and he made a deal and we need to kill somebody here. Uh, and um, They they go through the sacrifice scene So they have this big ritual They're all wearing the coats It's exactly what you expect It's this very over the top Supernatural ritual thing A dagger This giant Whatever thing she's on This table
0: I love um, that it's So cliche This time mm-hmm. uh, Obviously because it's going to get ruined um, And they're going to have to do it again But yeah. like the second time that they do it It's the most low budget Like student film version, like they're holding her down. This one's got ropes and the cloaks and the, like, it's, (laughs) I love the comparison between this and later on when they're like, just get it done.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, they're going to go stab her. And this is again, just that thing of Samara weaving her performances. She's constantly just fighting for her life in a believable way, where she just squirms out just enough. They stab her through the shoulder. Uh, What's going to happen during the second sacrifice here uh, is obviously that uh, everybody starts getting sick as they're, they're getting ready for the sacrifice. They all start throwing up. And here you get the hero moment. Daniel takes off his cloak. Now, this is where, again, I think they found a clever way to fool the audience where you finally think Daniel's going along with this plan. And you realize, no, his plan was to get her on the sacrifice table so he could poison everybody else. Even as he's sneaking her away, he even explains to her, oh, that's not going to kill them. It's just, you know, it's just going to make them sick for, you know, a week or something. Um, and everybody else is frantic now because the sun's almost coming up. Uh, we get a couple of individual fights here. Alex has escaped out of his handcuffs. Uh, we have, um, the, the, the scene where Alex is, or not Alex, Daniel's wife shoots him for letting her go. Uh, this is where she says, you wouldn't care if I die or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now she's killed Adam Brody, the one hero of the movie, literally the only hero of the movie, because we're going to get something else uh, happening here which is where uh, first there's a, a fight scene with the dad. The dad gets hit with a lantern. So the fire starts. This is a, the fight takes a long time here. <laughs> um, then we get the fight scene with the mom. The mom's shot. Uh, and now Alex finally is there with Grace. And he has this moment where he's basically saying, there's no way you're going to be with me after now that you know all this. Right. And she doesn't answer the question. So this is where he decides to join them. And this is their sacrifice. We have to, the, the low budget version, like you said, uh, we got to do this. Uh, throw her on the table. Uh, Alex joining along was the big twist. Now I was thinking all the way up until this point, still it's going to turn out to be some variation of this curse is real. But I thought the twist of this movie was when Alex turns and realizes, Hey, you know what? I'm going to lose you anyway. So I might as well go along with this. I don't want to lose my family's wealth as well. I might as well keep one of you. Uh, When he goes along with it, that's when I thought the twist was going to be nothing happens. And he has to live with the fact that he just lost her for nothing. Uh, so big surprise when we get this thrower on the table, uh, everybody let's do this quick and, and, uh, um, gorilla style when the light starts coming through the window and they open the, the curtains, ah, and then nothing happens. They're even saying nothing happened. I'm like, what a great twist that all of this, Alex is finally going to just give in. And this is what's going to seal his fate. and He's going to lose her now. Uh, and all of a sudden somebody blows up, like literally blows up. One of the great surprises I've ever experienced in a movie is having them convince you something was real, convince you something was fake, convince you something was real, convince you something was fake, and then have a person literally blow up in front of your eyes for no reason whatsoever. Uh, then it continues; everybody else starts blowing up. I, I I do think I understand the reasoning for doing it. The kids run out of the room, and you just see the remnants of them blowing up. But I mean, again, how ballsy would it have been if they had children blow up on camera? I don't know if. It would have gotten them a, um, an NC-17 rating or something, but it would have been interesting. Uh, and uh, once everybody's blown up here, uh, we have like the final moment with uh, Daniel, or not Daniel, uh, Alex, uh, and he's dead too. And whole house is burning down and she leaves. And then we get this great last line of the movie as uh, the, the authorities are finally coming, the police are coming, the um, fire department's coming. And they even say, what happened here? And she just says, in-laws. And then the movie just ends. I just love just like the, the, the subtlety of that joke on the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, it's great. And the the one line that, like, one line that I remember that I really enjoyed um, is when she's fighting with Andy McDowell. And Andy McDowell, like she fires an arrow at her and she's like, sorry, I missed out of practice. <laughs> um, that was just such a, like, a fun line. Like it's just like all those little one lines in there. Um, but yeah the last bit of this movie like takes such a up and down twist and turns like you're not sure where this is going the last half hour you know because they do this really dramatic ceremony and they all are puking because they're poisoned um, and then uh, his wife shoots Dan. Daniel's wife shoots him and like he sacrifices himself for her um, so in the end I guess Alex he was turning. on her side the whole time but just played it off you're kind of still unsure uh, she gets away like it's just all of this and then she's fighting with the character she he kills Annie McDowell in front of her son like like he sees her and then he like turns it's just like all these twists and turns and you can't keep up and then they don't blow up and then they all of a sudden blow up um and it's great that the whole like ending sequence is almost played like a cold open for like The Office or Parks and Rec or something. <laughs> just like the horror version. Yeah. Like the characters are there, just like something ridiculous happens and they're just like stunned. And it's just like the way that they play it, the reactions and everything. It's just so great. Her grace, when her, she screams like a banshee, she like grabs the knife, she just screams at them in the corner. Like, so many great moments of the whole ending sequence that like, really, like, it just throws everything into a tailspin. And I think that's what, like, like they did a, such a slow build. I feel like it was kind of a slow build. They're, like, playing the hide-and-seek music. They're getting the weapons. And then she's like, what's going on? And then slowly they kill the help. And then all of a sudden it's just, like, at the end it's full blood and everything. It's, it's great. It's a great build.
1: Uh, so this movie, as I said, did a lot better than I thought it did. Um, I... It's usually I, I'm very close with tracking box office and everything and seeing, uh, you know, what how, how well movies are doing, how well movies are being received, whether it's something I intend to see or not. I just always am interested in following that. And this is something I didn't even realize ha- had even played theatrically, let alone uh, it did quite well. Um, it uh, opened um, with uh, eight million dollars in its opening weekend, and um, it was sixth place uh, for the weekend, but uh, ended up making. Overall box office, uh, over $28 million for a low-budget horror movie that was technically independent and barely promoted, $28 million domestically, uh, almost $29 million internationally, $57 million plus worldwide. That's successful for pretty much any horror movie, let alone the small indie horror movie. And yet I still feel like this is a movie that not a lot of people know about. It's very under the radar, um, and there are much better Uh, or much bigger horror movies out there that are much worse than this. uh, See Malignant. Uh, Have you you heard about Malignant yet? Yes. Yeah. Have you, you haven't seen it though? No. Yeah. Well, listen to mine and Jamie's review. If you get a chance, Uh, I'm sure it'll sell you on watching the movie, uh, whether you like it or not, because it's definitely something you need to see, but ready or not way better than Malignant. Uh, But uh, it it did well um, commercially critically. It actually did well as well. It's got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's really strong for a horror movie. Uh, one little snippet of a review I liked here, uh, Lee Greenblatt in Entertainment Weekly said, come for the crossbows, etc., and to watch Weaving Star be born in real time. Stay for the socioeconomic lessons and sweet, sweet revenge. Uh, very good. Now, some people obviously probably don't like this movie. Uh, so let's go to IMDb and find a one-star review. Uh, this one I love <laughs> for so many reasons. Uh, who's this person? Martin Ross Martin like Martin with an M us Ross all one word uh titled it give this turkey a miss what ridiculous tripe perhaps the worst movie I've seen this year it was neither fish nor foul this review is just it makes no sense but things are clever
0: someone's it, dinner order
1: <laughs> Fish nor foul it failed as either a comedy thriller or horror the whole thing was moronic in its conception and it should never have been made at all. It seemed to try and emulate the atmosphere of the brilliant Get Me Out. They don't even get the title of the movie, right? They call it Get Me Out, but totally missed the mark. I utterly condemn the acting. There is less ham in Sainsbury's. What is Sainsbury's? Uh, Something with ham in it, I guess. Quite ridiculous. This was a turkey of the first order, and I am lost for words. You're also lost and can't remember the name of Get Me Out. Um... (laughs) Another one here, ready or not, who is ready for this trash? Honestly, this junk is one of the worst films I've ever seen. As a person who loves films and can watch bad films with patience, but this was pure nonsense for me. The movie is nothing but a get out ripoff and can't even copy well. Get out was good because it knows what it wants to be, but ready or not doesn't. Um, Completely disagree with both of these. I'm agreeing with the rest of the critics, who obviously 88% of them gave it a positive review. Uh, Plot keywords are back. I found them finally uh, on IMDb here. So let's see what we could do here. Obviously, there's some obvious one: dysfunctional family month, family tradition month, deal with the devil month, um, husband tries to kill wife month, uh, old weapons month, uh, woman wears a wedding dress month. Come on, give us some the- scalded scalded face month. This will this will be a gold mine here. Uh, What's
0: interested we- in the woman? Husband tries to kill wife. Month. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's never happened in a movie before. Um, scalded face month. We could watch Halloween two. Ready or not, Sleepaway Camp, and the ABCs of Death, Uh, Covered in Blood Month, Uh, Devil in Human Form Month, Death Trap Month, Flipping the Bird Month, (laughs) Battle Mm -hmm. Axe Month, Uh, Held at Gunpoint Month. Come on, give us at least one good one. Uh, Attempted Murder, Survival, Beaten to Death, Anger. These are all so obvious. I I want something really outrageous here. Exploding Body. There we go. All right. All right. Who wants to do exploding body month next year for Halloween? Uh, Rossi, is that your hand up? Uh, <laughs> this is the spoiler year. No time to die, number one. Sorry, Ben. Uh, the spoilers. something. no time to die, Black Widow, Casino Royale, and Shang Chi. A lot of movies we've talked about this year. A lot of split Blows the...
0: up in Casino Royale.
1: I don't know, um, but this is, well, there's a bomb that goes off. Uh, I guess, but I can't remember if a body. Okay, board. well then every everybody has (laughs) exploded body month (laughs) even octopussy the number one bond film of all time according to rocky uh here (laughs) uh (laughs) all right so i can't remember if we have any other segments uh we've done reviews i'll just rate it
0: let's just get out of here
1: let's let's get out of here Uh, let's get out of here (laughs) sun's almost up bad things will happen uh you're gonna buy it rented or bin it i'm buying this 100 percent. come on yes yes this is one of the best movies we have covered not just for Halloween month for any movie it's the movie is just a blast it's so unique it's so different I I got so excited when I saw this movie the first time before we even talked about covering on here that I kept telling Jamie Jamie I added a movie to our list you have to watch this movie watch this movie ready or not oh, okay well I don't know it doesn't sound that interesting oh I don't think I'll watch it and I've been telling her for like I finally said you know we're gonna be covering ready or not let's watch it oh I watched this movie I'm like no you didn't Yeah, the movie about the bride. I'm like, why didn't you tell me you watched that movie? I was so excited to talk about something with it. Uh, But instead, you get to talk to me about it instead of my wife. Um, Good job. She's dead, by the way. (laughs) She drew the bad card. Uh, Yeah, buying this movie 100%. I guess we'll transition into next week because long awaited. We did a month for this movie. Shut up. Uh, We did a whole month dedicated to this back in May. Uh, All because we were excited that A Quiet Place Part 2 was coming out. To
0: be fair, there were other conditions that affected it as well. Not just our delay. Like they didn't release it until like, what, a few months ago?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has been in the planning for a long time. Um, When it was released, it wasn't released in all places theatrically. Some people had to wait. But A Quiet Place Part 2 finally came out a couple months ago. I saw it. Rossi still hasn't seen it. This was a whole reason a couple months ago we brought you Bad Horror Sequel Month, uh, which I, I, I will say I'm actually uh, following a former Oz of ours, uh, Cable Brandon. Are you, you remember Cable?
0: Uh, how could Bagley. you forget?
1: Yeah. How could you forget Cable? Uh, he's got a little uh, project. He does a podcast called Sequel Suck. Give me a nice shout out. Uh, you want to listen to kind of what we were doing back with uh, horror, Bad Horror Sequel Month. He's actually covering uh, both A Quiet Place 2 and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. So um, shout out, listen to Sequel Suck, uh, but listen to us first. But uh,
0: uh, why? he didn't? Te- he probably didn't tease us. And...
1: <laughs> well, we so. we 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 got the jump on him with Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two a couple of months ago. He got the jump on us with the Quiet Place Part Two. But uh, we're gonna join the club here. Uh, we're gonna round out our we Bad Horse Sequel on? Month. <laughs> we're gonna on? have him on. <laughs> uh, he's gonna draw a card. But uh, yeah, we we did. What were the movies we did? Doctor Sleep. Nightmare on Elm Street Part Temple Two, Sleep,
0: Nightmare, Strangers, pray Strangers at night.
1: Pray at Night, and something else that I can never remember. Another bad horror sequel. Oh,
0: the, the t- Cloverfield.
1: Cloverfield, yeah, Ten Cloverfield Lane. So all of that was done so that we could talk about A Quiet Place Part Two, and now we're finally doing A Quiet Place Part Two. You still haven't seen this. I'm actually glad that no. you waited to, to do this fresh. Uh, but yeah. uh, tell me what you're excited about. Uh, what your thoughts are on it.
0: I'm just. I really am interested because I have no idea where they could go. Like the, the, like they left it, like they closed the story, like of the part one. Like there's nowhere to adapt from that in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like obviously outside of the family dynamic or whatever. But like I have no idea where they could go. Like because they seemed like they closed the universe off so much. Like at the end of the first one, like John Krasinski or or the sun or whatever, lights the fire. Mm-hmm. And no one else lights any of their fire, so you assume that they're either hiding or dead. So I'm like, where are they? Get are they going to get new characters? Like, what's going to? Ha- like, I'm just so confused on where it could go. So like, I'm interested to see how they do that.
1: I think the most all inter- I've seen
0: is like one clip of them running through this like field, like this building with all the like plastic sheets, mm-hmm. and that's all I've seen.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll just say, I mean, the sequel was tricky enough that. When they first announced this was a sequel, I remember John Krasinski even saying, the next movie is going to be something completely different. Don't even expect a proper sequel. And what they ended up making was a proper sequel. Uh, They've done it in a way where I I was kind of skeptical, kind of like you, well, where do they go from here? But they've done it in a way where, oh, I kind of see what they did there. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, While also still making it feel like it's the same, it's the sequel to the original. It's, It's the same universe. They've built something interesting where enough things are introduced that have you, you know, curious where they could go from here. Uh, it, it's well, all I'll say is I enjoyed it a lot uh, and I'm excited. We're going to talk about it next week. That'll be coming next week. Uh, we're going to ask everybody to whisper and please don't chew any food on the episode Shh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> but that's it for this week. Uh, listen for all the tags at the end, uh, find out how you can subscribe and like and follow and sign up for Patreon. Thank you to all our patrons. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you some good content one of these days. And thank you to uh, whoever recently bought our, uh I like the mullet t-shirt of Obi-Wan Kenobi and our René Russo John Travolta 95 campaign shirt. Uh lots more t-shirts we have maybe we'll come up with. Upload on
0: tonight. Instagram and share it.
1: you should? Yeah, you know what? We'll give you a shout out on the next episode if you bought one of those t-shirts uh and you can send us a picture then we will give you a shout out on the next episode or we'll invite you to join us on an episode something like that. Uh thank you everybody. My name is Colin, and Rossi's uh, leaving.
0: I'm Rossi, and you want to know what happened to me? Colin.
1: Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at Oznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.